Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. Praise the Lord. But it's great to be here, be back here again, and also to be back at an anniversary. I love anniversaries, I love celebrations. And I'm going to talk about things dealing with that anniversary in that, in that sense. Three things I want to talk about today, before, I mean, I'll let you know where I'm coming from, and then a little bit of an introduction afterwards. I do things topsy-turvy here. But I'm going to talk about time. And I like that the song we're singing, Now is the Time. I'm going to talk about God's timing, God's word, and God's power today. All dealing with anniversaries here. Uh, also, with the birthday, I think Dorothy left, is she with the kids? And I love that, this an anniversary itself, and... Um, this whole idea about time is just incredible. But I want to thank the Lord that I'm here today. And uh, it's been about a year since I've been here. So it's been some time since I've been here. About almost a... Or, yeah, all the time we're talking. Yeah, we have had to talk. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm up to date. I remember when Tom uh, told me four, five years ago, a little before five years, he's, uh, the Lord's put on his heart to begin to work on a church and to, to say this may be what God is doing to plant a church. Uh, I know that, that feeling of, and I know the reality of having a home group, of having uh, fellowship together and then realizing God's call of not just going, it's like shifting gears of, of having just a fellowship in one's home or, or wherever you meet and then having a place where God is saying, this is a place where I want my people to come and gather together. By the word, the word church in the Bible, the word ecclesio, um, never, ever, never refers to a building. Never. You know, to the building of Ephesus, I write this. So to the building of Corinth, I write, no. To the people of Corinth, I write these. People of God. The word ecclesia is always refers to those who are believers in Christ coming together. So the church could be meeting in a, a school hall. Uh, could be meeting in a... Um, in fact, I, I pastor four churches, or part of a pastoral... Uh, staff of four churches, and some of those I've planted myself with, with obviously the Holy Spirit, but the Lord has used me to plant. And three of those four churches meet outside. We don't even have a building. So you don't even need a building. Friends, you are the building of God. Amen. The people of God are, is the building of God. Amen? Amen? So I thank God for this, this sanctuary that I'm in today. And I thank God for the faithfulness of, and not just Tom either, friends. When I say Tom, he's a, he is the, the, the focal point of the fellowship in that sense, the physical fo- focal point, but I know there's always a team. Always a team. So I thank God for the team that's been gathered around Tom and, and around the vision and, and also the one that supports uh, the pastor and his, and his family uh, and also the work of God here. So I do I thank God for that. And uh, I talk quite a bit with Tom during the, during the months and you know, from this time. And so I'm well, I'm well aware of what God's been doing here. Like I said, I was here even last year sharing... And I am pleased to be part of this fellowship. And I am part of this fellowship. I feel I come here and it's, 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 like, it's like my fellowship. Um, you know, it's like Tom's family is my family in that sense. And um, I love his, love, love his wife, his, his family, his children, his sons, his daughter. Um, I've known them since they were just tiny. Matter of fact, Adam was two years old when we went to Tom and Dorothy's um, wedding, and so my family has also been part of of his family. So it's a blessed blessed time to be here. I want to share, friends, and then I'm going to share directly with the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. But also for the sake of time, again, it, 
I'm going to deal a lot with time today. For the sake of time, I may just share scripture verse from, from my heart, from the top of my head, as it were. So you won't have to necessarily turn with it, but trust me, it is the word of God. But if you could turn now to Isaiah uh, 9, and I'm going to deal with basically scripture verses found in Matthew, but I'm going to give some sort of a pretext and an understanding of the scripture verse I want to talk about. Again, I want to talk about God's timing. I want to talk about God's message. I want to talk about God's power, all relating to this particular fellowship, and also the fellowship in large. I'll talk about, maybe, in fact, friends, there's three levels here I'll be speaking at. I'll be speaking to you personally as if you're the only one in this room, whoever you are right now. I'll be speaking to you as a fellowship, as a, a people coming together. But also I'll be speaking about the church right here in Great Britain, friends, and the more a, a, a prophetic word that goes beyond these walls. Because I do believe in a church without walls. I believe that, and matter of fact, Tom just came back from Asia, and, and there's, there's a family of God, the church universal, in that sense. So this relates to every level of where you are right now. But look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And this is a word that was spoken about 800 years before Christ came. I mean, some theologians could, you know, this, this arguments of who, who wrote Isaiah and divided up, but suffice it to say, it's about 800 years before Messiah came. Verse 1, But there would be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtalia. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. For the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Of course, the land he's talking about is Israel. Messiah will come. And I, I want to preface my, what I'm teaching with that particular verse. And if you could turn, please, to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. And while you're tuning there, I also want to just, you know, I, I see there's a, I think, a, a, a prophetic leading with the worship today, too. The last song we sang... Um, that was my vision. That was one of the main songs in the Welsh Revival. It's a real revivalist song. And so I love the fact, I mean, just, just the songs we were singing today speaks of time, speaks of revival, and glorifying Christ. And like 800 years later, after Isaiah wrote that passage, proclaiming that light will come to a people who dwell in darkness, look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, and here is that scripture verse being fulfilled. Now we heard, verse 12, chapter 4, Matthew, when he heard that John had been arrested, John the Baptist, that is, he, meaning Jesus, withdrew to Galilee. On leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Nephtalia. Sound familiar? And so, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here's a fulfillment of that Isaiah 9. And then he quotes it again, in the land of uh, uh, Zebulun, in the land of Nathalia, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. At that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the fulfillment of what was spoken 800 years before in a land dwelling in darkness 
And that time he's talking about the Jewish people living in the land, the land of, of, of Galilee, in the way of the sea, talking about the whole region, light will come. And friends, there is a time. See, it says right now, verse 16, verse 17, at that time. Now, I don't know why Jesus came at that time. I don't know why things happen at that time. But friends, there is a timing of God that is absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, it says in Galatians that, you know, when the fullness of time had come, Christ was born of a virgin. At that time. And why did he pick that time? I don't know, friends. But everything was all lined up at that time that Christ came. And there's a timing in our life, friends. As I was meditating on this, I began to meditate on Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For there is a time for everything under heaven, my friends. There's a time for your life, a time to be born, a time to die. A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to comfort those who mourn. A time to gather stones, a time to cast away stones. There's a time for everything. Friends, our lives are so timed. We can't get out of it. Who, who has a wristwatch on their hand? Does anybody have a ever? Just raise it up. A wristwatch. You see this? This, the perfect metaphor for humanity. We are so, a timepiece wrapped to the pulse of man. It's right there. We are so timed. Everything we do is timed. We can't get away from it. And friends, I see a time right now. Again, I speak to everyone. Again, there's three levels going on here, friends. And I speak to you who hear my voice today if you're the only one in this house today. There's a timing in your life. And God, I don't know what you're going through right now, but maybe something very, very good and glorious. Maybe something very hard. Maybe a time of searching. Maybe a time you found something you're looking for today, physically or spiritually. But there's a timing in your life right now. In this fellowship right now, there's a time. There's a maturity happening. You're no longer just planted. No, now you're starting to grow. And now God is raising up leaders. Some may have moved on to other places. Some have passed away and gone to glory. And some are just by tomorrow, they'll be coming into this fellowship. There's a time for us. There's a growth in this church. See, at that time, God planted Gateway Fellowship. Why was it five years ago? I don't know. But he did. He planted it. Who knows when it will go. See, everything goes the way of the world too, friends. Everything on earth will pass away. See, sometimes even as pastors and church planters, they're all my work, friends. I don't think of it. it's going to last forever and ever and ever. God remains forever and ever and ever. Some of the works we do, friends, they may be for a season. You know, I've done, you know, I've, I've been part of many churches. Well, not many, but just a few, but a few that I really gripped my teeth into. I mean, Elios, we just had our 21st anniversary. Is that going to last forever? No, nothing lasts forever on that sense, friends. My hope is not in Elios Christian Church. My hope is in God. So there's a time when it happened. And I know just uh, perhaps the same with, with you, Tom, and, and, and your leadership here. I spent more time right now preaching to you than I did working out how to plant a church in Bethlehem Green. We just loved people. The only strategy we had 21 years ago was to love our neighbor as ourselves and to love God in the reverse order. Amen? We just loved the people. People began to become attracted to people loving them. I lived right in the heart of the east end of London. And I also I work with guys in the street. I work with a lot of broken people. And you love them. 
And people are attracted to gentleness. They're attracted to kindness. They're attracted to the love of God with the love they've seen through you. They may not even recognize it as the love of God. And before we knew it, Tom, perhaps maybe the same as you, I looked at my wife and it was just, as a matter of fact, we had no, very similar to this, we had no massive backing, no denomination behind this. We just were a missionary couple who came to London with $300 in our pocket, no, no keys. Um, I knew one person who lived in South End and she was pregnant. And that's how we arrived on the shores of Britain um, at that time. And that was Adam's older brother, that was Wesley, who got a free ticket to London in his mother's womb. Nine months later, Wesley was born, and I began to work with another church. And just in that neighborhood, and we prayed while we lived in New York. Even before we were married, we prayed, God, knowing that he was going to send us to London, Lord, just put us in a place where there's the most need. And I heard these things about council estates. I had no idea what they were like. I knew what they are, sort of the equivalent in New York, some of the areas. And lo and behold, the flat we had was right in the middle of this council estate. And we just began to to love people. And God planted something just... We, we lived above the shop for many years. We would invite homeless into our home. And we, she, she, my wife had a wonderful children's ministry. Just bring the kids in. We had like 20 kids in, in my house. and It was an absolute mess. It was a glorious mess. And then we also brought the homeless in and would feed them and just do all this stuff and, and sing Bible stories and songs to them. And suddenly they began to, to respond and to quote these things back to us. And before you know it, we had a church on our hand. It wasn't strategizing how to plant a church, how to do this, and doing all the, the, uh, the micro things and trying to find all these statistics about stuff. And No, just love people. That's the only strategy we had was to love. And God brought people. If he be lifted up, he will draw our men to himself. And after four years of that, we realized we have these people, and God said, now feed them. I didn't come to London to be a pastor. <clears throat> matter of fact, I learned, I learned, matter of fact my, 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 um, my Bible school training was not pastoral ministries. There was missions, there was international ministries, there was, there was evangelism, and suddenly I have a flock on my hand and God said, teach them. And I learned as I went. But the timing of God was there. Friends, we are so timed. You know, I, I meditate, one of my, 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 one of my best meditations I have is just meditating on God and His awesomeness. His, His infinity. We are so finite. He is, he, there's no time, friends. There's no time. And just meditating on that. There's no beginning, no end. He never changes. See, time signifies change. And I'm totally, uh, you know, physically, I'm, I've changed immensely. My theology, you know, you, you grow in God. So my theology has, has really been you know, changing as far as being fine-tuned. The same God that saved me, that saved you, at the moment of your salvation, is exactly the same God. Exactly the same. He never changes. He's above time. Maybe it's a bit too heavy in a Sunday morning, friends, but he is, he is above time. So, when this sinner goes to God, after knowing him for 33 years and going through something right now, he's the exact same God that I went to 33 years ago as a broken drug-infested rock and roller, artist in New York. It's exact same God. See, sometimes we think, oh, now I've known the Lord for some time now. Oh, I, 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 you know, I really should know better and the devil's throwing this at me, the world's throwing these things at me. And I, I don't go to God, I don't see Him as the same God that I fell upon Him and asked for mercy and asked Him into my life and changed me. 
And those early days, those early hours, those early weeks of my walk, and just having God's grace just pour over you, and you just feel that you can do nothing wrong, because God is, you just feel the, the forgiveness of God. As we get older in God, we, we sometimes think, well, I should know better, and I can't go to God for this, and oh, I'm, I'm just so condemned, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I should... No, he, he, he doesn't change, friends. He's above time. He's above time. He's exactly the same, and that, my friends, is the greatest security of my life. He is such a rock that I stand on because he doesn't change. And I have changed immensely. You know, as we get older, get a bit slower, gets thinner, not thicker. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> and you know, it's like what they say in, in I hope it's my testimony, and I just say, and we, we grow wiser. At least I pray we do. It's like that line from King Lear and Shakespeare, poor king who's grown old but not wise. I hope that's not my testimony. I want to grow in God. Again, but it takes time to grow. You know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a farmer. I'm a, a, more or less a city person my whole life. But I, I've, I've read this. But, you know, by the time someone plants a seed, like an apple seed, it takes almost about three years for it to grow before it produces its first apple. And friends, you know, there's a time he's passed as we understand that. Everybody here is at a different level. You know, some of you have known the Lord for many, many years. Some of you may not even know Him as I speak today. And some of you have known Him for a few days, hours. You know, I don't expect my sons that were, who are two years old to act like a five-year-old. Because they're not. They're, they're, they're two years old. No matter how smart they are, they can be the smartest two-year-olds who ever existed. But they're two years old. I don't expect them to act as a five-year-old. But if they're five years old, I don't expect them to act as a two-year-old. So if you've known the Lord for some time, there, there, there is an accountability. It's, you know, it, it goes both ways. There's a timing. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 4. There's a time when God sent Jesus. There's a time before that to prepare the heart. There's a time when John the Baptist came. I tell you, if you want some, some good Bible trivia, if you want to really you know, woo people to parties, uh, who is the greatest Old Testament prophet? People be thinking, oh, Old Testament, Isaiah, uh, you know, Ezekiel, Moses. The greatest Old Testament prophet, friends, is John the Baptist. Though he's not physically in the Old Testament, he's in the New Testament. But I tell you, imagine his timing. He is the last of a long string of prophets, starting perhaps from, from Samuel, of God calling out to Israel, come back to me. Because they were all preparing the way of the Lord. But even Jesus himself said, he is the greatest of all. His timing was perfect. Six months before the the arrival of the Messiah, his timing had come. Prophesied in Isaiah, but manifested as a birth and in the flesh, six months before the arrival of Jesus. His timing was perfect. And by the way, his message is exactly the same as Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the people who dwelled in darkness would see a great light. The time he had come. See, that's the first thing. The first thing that I talked about is, you know, at that time, Jesus came. The timing of God. And friends, I could speak for, you know, I could have a whole seminar just on the timing of God. But I must move on. But meditate upon that. Your life is so beautifully timed. Who knows the day of our death? We don't know. The day of our birth, it's all, it's all registered. But my death certificate is yet to be written. I don't know. I can live 20 more years, I can live 20 more minutes. I don't know. But as I live and breathe, God, uh, friends, I live and breathe for the Lord. That's the timing of God. At one time, 
He called me out of the miry clay and put my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my mouth. Same with you, son. At one time, friends, if you know the Lord right now, He took you out of that miry clay. No matter what your, whatever your background is, no matter what nation you were born in, no matter what, what, what your education, no matter what your, whatever your, your social standing, He took you out of the miry clay, friends, and He put you upon a rock and He put a new song upon your tongue. See, that, that's my testimony. Psalm 40, it's exactly, this poor man cried out, and the Lord delivered him from all of his fears. He took me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. And now I sing a new song. And many were here. And right now many are hearing. And through the ministry that God has given me, many have, many have heard. And I pray many more will. The timing of God. And the, th- the second thing I want to talk about is at that time, Jesus began to preach. Repent. And that's the message of God. See, so you don't know, know the timing of God. But also know the message of God. And the message of God is to Repent. Well, you say, Kurt, you're just preaching to the choir. Well, the choir needs preaching too, my friends, especially in this, in this, in this country. I'm not talking about anybody individual, but then again, I'm talking to everyone as if you're the only one in this room right now. I need to repent, my friends. See, repentance just means turning to God, basically. If you want to break it down, I'm walking my way, and I decide, no, I'm not. I'm going to walk God's way. Every day, friends, I choose. As a matter of fact, somebody said today, you choose. You choose to serve God. You choose to obey God. In that sense, in, in, the, in, the, in the broadest sense of the word repent, I choose not my way, but your way, God. Not my will, but your will be done. That's the message of God. Come to me. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Old Testament and all the prophetic words, friends, there's a, a small percentage, maybe a, um, a foretelling. Uh, you know, some you know, things in future events. Well, I just said, Isaiah talked about John the Baptist coming, Daniel, you know, in the future. But most of the prophetic word in the Old Testament, friends, and this is a prophetic word, is to come back to God. Is a foretelling. This is the situation now, come back to God. Repent and serve the Lord. Drop your idols. We said it today as well. If my people who are called by my name will seek my face, forsake their wicked ways, I will hear from God. That's, that's, that is the message of God today. By the way, that's conditional, if you know. Every time you see the word if in the Bible, it's a conditional phrase. If means that if that happens, there's something will it's like the if and then is a conditional. That will not happen unless something else happens. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, forsake their wicked ways, then I will hear, I will heal their land. That's, that's the message of God, friends, from the very, very beginning. Repent. Turn to God. Focus on Him. Go back to the Word of God. I don't know what your devotions are, friends. Everybody has different devotions, but I pray you do have a devotion to God. And devotions is more than just you know, a verse a day keeps the devil away type of thing. It's more than that. Even though I do encourage you to read the Word every day. But much more, friends, I encourage you to do the Word every day. Don't be like James. Is, is we look in the mirror. And James teaches us. And we, we see the way we look. And then we, we walk away from the mirror. And we forget what we look. He likens that to people who read the Word of God. And you may even be stirred in the Word of God. But then you go and don't obey it, friends. You know, it's Jesus said this, this, there were two sons. One was told what to do by the father. He said, yeah, dad, I'll do it. And went and did his own thing. Another one said, ah, dad, forget it, I'm not going to do that. And, no, I've got, I've got different plans today, dad. And he left his father, but then he was convicted. He said, no, I'm going to go back and do it. And he did with his father, the will of the father. And Jesus asked that, that question, that rhetorical question, but we have to think about it. 
Which one was the father more pleased with? The one who just said he was going to do it but didn't do it? Or the one that maybe rebelled a little at first but then turned around, repented or changed his mind and did the will of the father? It doesn't matter your history right now, friends, because right now is the first day of the rest of your life. doesn't matter what your track record is leading up to this point right now. doesn't matter even what you did today, friends. The message today is that there's a timing of God in your life. And in anniversaries are wonderful times to reflect on the timing of God. There's also a message of God in your life today too. Come back to me. Now if you're walking with God with the fire of God in your life, praise the Lord, ask for more kerosene. Ask for God to pour on the kerosene. You know, as I said with like John Wesley, how can you get so many people to come? You're out in the, in the, in the, 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 the cow fields, out in, in Cornwall, and thousands are coming to see you. How is this possible without you know, electronics, without massive um, advertising? He just says, I just set myself on fire, and people come and watch me burn. Hallelujah. Friends, you are the light of the world. By the way, that's not an option. You are the light of the world. Jesus said that. That's not, my, that's not my opinion. You are the light of the world. Now what you do with the light is an option. But being it is not. By virtue of the gospel of Jesus Christ living actively in your life, you are the light of the world. And so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. Don't put it under a table, friends, where no one sees it. Let your light shine. So if you're working in, the, you know, in an office, if you're going to school, wherever you might be, if you're home, in your neighborhood, so let your light shine. And you do that, friends, by, by, by getting off the old clothes, which is another form of repentance. Turning around and saying, God, I, wa- I, wa- I want to be an empty vessel for you, God, and fill me, empty of my own desires, my will, my, all the stuff that I think I need, God, or I want. God, I, I, with repentance, I ask you to clean my heart, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. They once asked Charles Spurgeon, why must I be filled with the Spirit every day? And he said, because I leak. And friends, our flesh leaks. Not only leaks, it reeks. Okay, forget that one, but anyway. This, this, this is dead flesh, friends. Made only alive by the Spirit of God living within it. Kurt Erickson died 33 years ago on 95th in, Lex- in Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. And the, the Kurt Erickson you're looking at now was born again. Yes, the same body, the same face, and all the, physically the same thing. But no, there was a death that happened 33 years ago and a rebirth happened. I repented and said, God, come into my life. Change me, Lord. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. So fed up with being fed up, Lord. God, I, you know, I live in a fallen world and I, I can't get rid of this flesh. But while I'm in this flesh, I want to serve you, God. I want a new, new breath, a new life, a new, a new heart with a new start. Maybe some of you are at that place right now. Or maybe some of you have known the Lord with a, with a fire and a fervency, but that's waned. And you say, I want that fire back. That's the message of God today, friends. It's the timing of God. Timing is here. Timing is now. The message is come back right now with me. God is saying. So there's the timing of God. There's the message of God. And then it says, you know, for repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's the power of God. For the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? 
This, you know, yes, there's, there's a kingdom come, there's, there's a heaven to gain, friends. But king, the kingdom of God came down. You know, the one says John the Baptist. If you're in your Bible, say, just go over to, to uh, Matthew 11. It's interesting. John was in prison and he just asked Jesus, you know, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus while he was in prison, are you really the Messiah? Has the kingdom come? Is this it? Are we entering into the Messianic age? In verse 4 in chapter 11, Matthew, Jesus answered them. And these are the disciples of John the Baptist, going back to John. Go and tell John what you see, or what you hear, what you see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed are the one who is not ashamed or offended of me. You tell John that, he'll know exactly who I am. For the kingdom of God has come. Friends, not only is there physical healing, spiritual healing, but there's a new life to live. There's a power that you have within you, friends. You call upon the name of the Lord and things will get done. Matter of fact, every mountain in your life can be removed. Now, will God remove every mountain the time you pray? That's his prerogative, friends, not mine. He removes the mountains, not me. My prerogative <coughs> is to believe he can. When I go to prayer, I believe that God can remove every single mountain confronting my life. And maybe there's a process in, in, the, in the removing of the mountain. Maybe it goes just like that. And maybe sometimes that thorn may stay in my side a little longer than I want it to. That's his prerogative. That's God's business. My business is to believe God can move that mountain. Because the kingdom of God is here. I can live a life pleasing to God. The grace of God, friends, is all over you. It lives inside you. For grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Christ lives within you. We are agents of His grace and of His truth. And Titus chapter 2 says, It is the grace of God that teaches me to say no to ungodliness. See, I, I, I choose, if I sin, friends, I choose to sin. If I live for God, I choose to live for God. But God can remove every single mountain in your life. Do you believe? Do you believe He can? You see, I, I can know this. I have a head knowledge of this. But unless it comes down these six to eight inches down into my heart, and I live it, friends, I would never experience that. You know, Tom and I went to the same Bible school. And even with Elias, we have a more uh, the church-based Bible school. I, I believe in the teaching of the Word of God. But the Bible school is called you know, the School of Ministry and Practical Theology. It's not just to make some theological egghead and just to pump them up with, with just Bible verses, but have no relevance in their personal life. I would rather have a person know by, by heart one verse that would change their lives and live out in the community. That have a thousand scripture verses that, you know, are not lived out. The kingdom of God is at hand, friends. Scales have been removed from your eyes. Look and see God all around you. I get asked all the time on the streets, yeah, but could have you really seen Jesus? As if mocking me. I, I, I talk about a God you cannot see with your eyes. And I say, no, friend, listen, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. I wasn't there. I'm not that old. I didn't see him in the flesh. 
But friends, I'd recognize him anywhere. He's all around me. Matter of fact, he lives inside of me. He's all around me. I see him in nature. I see him in those who believe. I had the privilege of seeing both of my sons come out of the womb and one of the greatest experiences of my life to see life giving birth to life. I saw the creative power of God. I was able to separate child from mother as well too, to be there. Awesome, awesome. No, I see God everywhere, friends. The power of God is all around us. When you pray, friends, believe that God can do it. Believe that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Light has come. Because of time, I must end it here, friends. But listen, those three things. Do not leave here without knowing those three things. Now right now, with this anniversary of this beautiful fellowship that we stand together with, that there's a timing of God active right now in your life. There's a message of God that He's put in your heart to turn to Him in every situation. And there's a power of God at your disposal in every way. I'm going to close with one scripture verse, just where we left off. Basically, go to Isaiah 60. And we'll close here. And Tom, I'll give it over to you, Tom, after that. I want to speak this over everyone's life right now. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness has covered the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. And friends, this is where I said that the three levels. I pray for this nation so much. So much. But I tell you, if we want to change the nations, we're not changed, yes, on a human level, it's changed in Parliament or whatever. And God's program, friends, has changed when we get on our knees and change and ask God to move. There's a people who live in thick darkness, but the Lord will arise upon you. And the glory, His glory, will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Friends, absorb these words knowing that there's a timing in your life. The message of God is in your heart and in your mind, in your understanding. And the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is within. Let's walk as children of light. Let's walk as people, not worthy in our own self, but worthy because God has taken us out from the miry clay and filled us with the Spirit. Here in Yately, as I go back to London, no matter where you're from, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, light has come. And friends, you are the light of the world. This is a lighthouse right here, friends. And you're part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.